Anytime that you're going to build something, it's important that you have an architect and a, de and a developer. And so here's what we understand. The reason why we can call Jesus the great master craftsman, because in this case, he's both architect and developer. And that's another way he proves he's all-knowing because he has already seen the finished product before one tool has been raised. Pastor Martin's message comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, entitled, The Lord Has Need of You. We've spent time this entire month exploring what it means to follow Jesus. And ultimately, we've looked at the theme, the common theme of the way of the cross. Because Jesus says that if anyone wants to come after me and follow me, he must take up his cross, take up her cross, deny themselves, take up their cross, and then follow me. As we've stated throughout the month that this is our 30th, 30th central identity in Christ that speaks of, I know that I'm significant, I know that I'm important because I am a child of God. So I identify myself with being a child of God, but we understand that the only way that we were able or are able to become children of God is through the cross. Thus, the way of the cross speaks to each and every one of us who, has been, who have been born again. Today's sermon title, I want to title, The Lord Has Need of You. The Lord has need of you. That if we're talking about the way of the cross, one of the things that every person who identifies with the cross understands just as a cult in the text, that they are one of those whom the Lord has need of. Major building projects require the engagement of multiple and various types of resources. In like manner, a master craftsman, when skillfully constructing something, employs a cadre of tools of various different types for, that are necessary to accomplish the intended outcome. Throughout the process of the construction, in order to complete it and to accomplish specific elements of the construction process, the master craftsman will draw in or reach into his tool belt or his tool box and pull out the right tool for the job. Because the master craftsman understands that each tool serves a specific purpose. 2,000 years ago, Jesus began a great building project. Jesus, the great master craftsman, set out to build something. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. He says, I am developing something special, and I have something especially designed that fulfills a great plan. But here's what he did. As a part of this building project, he developed his own specially designed tools, whom he calls disciples. 
to be used in this grand scale and global building program, he also now has, has assigned a divine construction manager whom he identified as the Holy Spirit, who is the one who is overseeing the building of the church. And the Holy Spirit has been given the responsibility and placed in charge of selecting and supplying each of the tool belts and tool boxes that God has set aside to build the church. And today, the Holy Spirit is proclaiming to both you and I that the Lord, the master craftsman, has need of you. Because each one of the disciples of God, the disciples of Christ, are a specially crafted tool to accomplish this building of this church. There's a couple main themes you're going to find throughout this message. One is that the church is God's great plan. That the church of Jesus Christ is God's great plan. And the other theme is that God has then assigned Jesus to be the executor of his plan. That the plan belongs to God and that Jesus is the executor over God's plan. Let's look at that first one, because if the church is God's plan, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. So we know we, he, under, he identifies himself as has, having ownership over the church. But we first must establish that the church is actually God's plan. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, here's what Paul tells us. He said, now... All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. He said God is the one who had the plan for the church, and he's bringing us into the fold in relationship with him through Christ. And having given us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So we see that the first theme is that the church is God's great plan, this global plan that he has of how he wants to establish his kingdom in the earth. The next one, Jesus is his executor because Here's what Jesus had to say in John chapter 5, verse 19. He says, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner. He also said it in, in the 8th chapter of John, verse 28, he says, Then Jesus answered him, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father 
taught me, I speak these things. So we see that the church is God's plan, and he's given Jesus, Jesus executorship over that plan. So when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, he's saying the father had the plan, but he handed off the building project to me. So the first point of emphasis I want to make today is just this, that Jesus is the great master craftsman. I know there's some of us in here, you can build just about anything. We've got some brothers, man, you just tell them what you want, and they can you get, they get a nail and some hammer, get a hammer and some nails and some wood, and they get going. But Jesus is the master craftsman because he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. In response to Peter's asking, he asked the question, who do men say that I am? And they all responded with different responses. But he says, but who do you say I am? And he, Jesus said, Peter says, you are the Christ. And he says, upon this rock, this truth that you've given, I'm going to build my church, that I truly am the Christ, the son of the living God. So he says, I'm going to build my church. But any time that you're going to build something, it's important that you have an architect and a, de and a developer. And so here's what we understand. The reason why we can call Jesus the great master craftsman, because in this case, he's both architect and developer. Because when you look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. See, the architect starts the process. He lays the plan out, and the developer is the one who's there to finish. But, but, but the Hebrew writer said that Jesus is both finisher and author. Amen. So he is the architect and the developer. But here you go. When you think about development, this divine developer must have some architectural plans. And because I know that we're not all experts in the area, I have a definition of what architectural plans are. And it simply says that it's a scaled drawing of what is to be built. Wow. Used to guide in planning, determining the scope of work, and choosing specific construction materials. See, when you talk about your identity in Christ, see, there's some specific construction material sitting in the audience today that the great developer understood I need specific material to build my church. Okay. See, well, here's where the architectural plans lie in the Great Commission. Because he says in the Great Commission, go make disciples, but watch this, not just of the people who look like you, but of all nations. And then in Mark's gospel, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, that's the architectural plan. It's that, that this church I'm building is including every nation. Every color, 
every tribe, every people. But here's the thing that you must understand. There's a difference between architectural plans and blueprints. Because both of them are plans for the same development, but they have a different purpose. I told you that the architectural plans are the large-scale, big-picture plans. But the blueprints are more specific. Here's the definition of a blueprint. They are far more detailed, and they have a technical plan involved with it. They are consulted often while the construction is happening. So you know the plan, but the blueprint, you got to keep coming back to it, make sure we're still in line and putting the right things in the right place while the process is going on. So he says, in that same great commission, he gives the architectural plan and the blueprints. Because later on, he says, teaching them, go make the disciples and then teach them to observe all the things I've taught you. The blueprint is to be taught the things of God and the commandments of God and how to follow them. But you can't do that unless you've got the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Because how can I teach without a means of construction? Because the Bible is our instruction and teaching manual that brings the understanding to the building project. See, we understand that there's a building project. There's architectural plans and there's blueprints laid out. And then we have clear instruction on how we're supposed to, to what's we're supposed, what are we supposed to teach and how we're going to follow. He's equipped us with all we need to accomplish the building project. But there's one element that we've not discussed just, just yet, and that is our second point of emphasis, that the Holy Spirit is the divine construction manager. Because otherwise, we're teaching anything. We're just out there. We got all kind of ways of trying to go about this thing. So you got to have a construction manager who's there watching over the process, making sure we stay on course. You don't believe that, but let me help you with this. Jesus actually shows us in John's gospel that the Holy Spirit is going to be the construction manager. First, let's stop by and look at John chapter 14 and verse 26. Here's what Jesus says of the Holy Spirit's role. He says, he will teach you all things and bring back to your remembrance all the things that I've taught you. <laughs> Construction manager. But let's slide, if we slide further into John's gospel, down over into the 16th chapter in verse 13, he says, he will guide you into all truth. So we got two examples here where Jesus says, I'm building my church. I've given the Holy Spirit responsibility to oversee the process. He's going to teach 
He's going to lead and guide into all truth. Sounds like a construction manager to me. That takes me over to the third emphasis I want to make today. My third point is you've got Jesus, who is the architect and the developer, Holy Spirit, who's the construction manager, but you have also God, who's the master tool maker. The master tool maker. So in order to understand this principle, we have to look over in to Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus because in, in chapter 2, verse number 10, here's what he says. He says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He said, God created you and me when he saved us. He was creating his tool for his project. Okay, you don't get it. Let's look at, look at how the, the New Living Translation said it. He said, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. The master tool maker, he thinks about what he's trying to get accomplished and he makes the tool for the purpose. See, that's why there has to be different people that he saves because he saves someone like you because there's a work for you. He saves someone like you because there's something specific he wants to do through you. The great master tool maker who's made us, created us for a specific purpose he wants to fulfill. Take note of this. The tool maker makes the right tool for the specific purpose that it is to serve. And I want you to understand this because oftentimes we may not feel adequate to do what God has called us to do. But we have to know that the tool maker wouldn't just put any old tool on the job. He's not just grabbing random pieces. He said, no, I've got something that only you can do because I made you for this purpose. created you that he may place you. Now, so if we understand that he knows what he's made the tool for, then we also must understand there's a principle that I'll call tool placement. <laughs> tool placement. Because the master tool maker knows what he wants to do where he wants to do it, so he places the right tools where he wants them to be. This comes down to what church you belong to. Because in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse 18, there Paul reveals God is the one who chooses your church. What you mean, Pastor? I know what I want. I got all my senses intact. I can reason for myself. The problem is you don't know the plan. You don't know what he's trying to do, so you can't go and choose what you want to do because he's putting the tools where he wants the tools to be. Okay, here he says that the Holy Spirit is the one who is, God through the Holy Spirit is placing the members of the body in the body where he chooses. Y'all going to make me preach hard today. I'm already sweating. Somebody say amen. 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 Nod. Blink your eyes. Lean in. Let me know we're together today. Because here is the thing you need to understand that the local church is the toolbox. See, God's church that Jesus is referring to is the global church. All Christians everywhere. But he set up these local toolboxes that he places tools in that box for that purpose. First Corinthians chapter 12, 18, let me read it for you. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. I know that's tough. In the age of church shopping, man, it's tough. You're like, man, you mean to tell me I need to pray about where you want me to be, God? Yes. And not pray on it. Because we'll, we'll pray on something, but that means we just we got down and talked for a while. We just prayed on it. We didn't really pray to receive. We just, Lord, now you know I want to go over there to, 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 to Re Refuge Side Baptist Church, and I want to go over there. Just let me know where you want me to go. Because I like refuge. But God says, I'm the one who knows where I need to place my tools. So we see that in verse 11 of that same 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says the Holy Spirit is selecting the tools for the work because he says, Paul says that the Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gifts as he determines. The spiritual gifts to do the work of the Lord are distributed by the Holy Spirit which means he now, as I said in my opening, that he is the one that's responsible for putting the tools in the toolbox and the tool belt. I got a helper that's going to help me today. <laughs> Brother Terry Marshall, give Brother Terry a hand. He willingly. So the toolbox, as I've already determined, is... The local church. And I know those who know tools, that ain't a toolbox, it's a tool bag. <laughs> I get it.
but this is easier to reach into and pull out. So God places the tools in the box. The Holy Spirit, knowing what God wants to accomplish through that local church, begins to put the tools in the tool belt. Notice each one of the tools looks different because each one has a different purpose. And based upon what the Holy Spirit knows that God is trying to accomplish at the local church, he continues to put the tools because the reason that you must put tools in the belt and not leave them in the box because you need them close for when you need them. You bring them close because you don't want to have to run all over to the box every time you want to put them in the belt so that the work can keep going forward. But here's the key. Every tool in the box has a purpose. And although there are tools in the, in the, in the belt now, God continues to add more tools to the belt. And there are times, yes, where he might switch some out, but the key is that he doesn't have any tools in the box for show. Because a tool, by definition, has a purpose it's supposed to fulfill. So every one of us here today, God has planted you in his toolbox and he's looking for an opportunity for you to say yes so he can pull you out and put you in his belt. So now, as the work gets going, it's just a hand reach away. What do we need? The hammer. We want to tap it. We don't want to hurt it. It's, this is a delicate. We got to hit it, but we don't want to break it. So we've got a mallet that's got some rubber around it. It still can be used, but it's not heavy-handed. But some things, they need some, some really hard hitting. So we use a, a hammer. Some things are tightly wound, so we need some pliers to move them around or to turn them in a different direction because each one of the tools have been placed there that God might fulfill his purpose. Thank you, Brother Terry. Bless you, sir. See, the toolbox is the local church tool belt as those that are serving in the local church because they've been brought near that they might be used. The question is, are you in the belt 
Are you in the box? Because every tool in the box has a part to play. That almost sounds like a rap. Because every tool in the box has a part to play. Because every tool in the box has a part to play. Every tool in the box. Leads me to my fourth point of emphasis today. God wants to work through you. He doesn't want to have to use a hammer when he needs a wrench. He, don't need, he doesn't want to use a chisel when he needs a screwdriver because God wants to work through you. Here's what Romans chapter 6 or 12 and verse 6 says. Now, there's a list of gifts of the Spirit and, and functions of the church that are there, but I just want to hone in on verse number 6. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, here's what the Apostle Paul says to the Roman church. He says, having then gifts differing according to the graces given to us, one operative phrase, let us use them. He said, God has given you a gift. He's given you a spiritual gift that he wants you to use. He's made you a tool. Holy Spirit has is, is, is empowered you to be able to get the work done. He says, now that you have the gift, use them. So how, Pastor Martin, how does God work through me? First thing is this. God works through, you, through us by supplying the Holy Spirit. Simply put. When God saves you, he puts his Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit is distributing gifts of the Spirit that are used to function in the building project. So how does God work through me? He first supplies me with the Holy Spirit. Number two, Pastor Martin, well, how does God work with us? Okay, by the Holy Spirit being present bringing forth the outcomes that God intends when we make ourselves available. See, God works with us because he makes sure that any time that we're willing to be available, he says, my presence will be there with you. Lo, I'll be there with you even until the ends of the world. And I want you to see an example because any time that we Purpose in our heart to fulfill God's purpose in his plan, he's going to be there working with us. Right after giving the Great Commission, Mark records that Jesus says something in Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. Here's what he says. They went out preaching everywhere. Here's the operative phrase. The Lord working with them, confirming the word. When we set our minds and hearts on fulfilling the Great Commission, we can have this assurance that God will be there working right with us, getting it done. Because we see how when they went out and shared the gospel to fulfill the plan, to further the building project, we see God got involved and he was right there working with them. 
my fifth and final note for the day, point number five. And I want you to see this because it's very important. I think I've made this apparently clear, but I need to state it clearly. I don't want to imply. I want to be explicit. Point number five is this. Each one has a part to play. Now I'm going to take us back. I know you said, well, Pastor Martin read that passage and he ain't even touched it since we got there because I was going to finish with it. Preacher. I want you to see something. Each, there, there's, there's three specific characters in the text that had a part to play. The first one was the disciples. Their responsibility was to go do what Jesus told them. Remember in verse number one, it says, and he sent two of his disciples and he told them what to go and do. So the disciples, their responsibility was to do what Jesus instructed. They had a part to play. The next characters in the, in the text are the owners of the cult. Now, in Mark's gospel, he just said there were some standing around, but Luke clarifies and points out that the ones that asked the question were the ones who actually owned the cult. But notice what the text says. It says, so they said, why are you taking the cult? And they said one thing, the master has need of it. And they said, okay. So the owner's responsibility was to place what they had in Jesus' hands. So we have the disciples go do what he told them. The owners had the responsibility of giving up what they had and allowing Jesus to use it. The last character in the text is the cult. Notice I told you earlier to make note of the fact that no one else had rolled him. But there's nothing in the text that says he bucked when Jesus got on his back because the cult had to let Jesus use him. See, the cult had to say, I ain't never tried this before. I ain't never done this before, Jesus, but if you need me, Use me. The cult had never had anybody on his back, had never done this before, but Jesus needed him, and he had to submit and say, Lord, use me. So I close with this. Amity Bible Church family, those here and those watching, the Lord has need of you. Amen. He's purposed us, he's molded and he's shaped us with a specific purpose. He's placed us in his toolbox that he named Amity Bible Church. And he's looking Again, taking tools out of the box, putting them in his belt, that he may get his work done. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. 
If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.